And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. Welcome to the Shamrock, which felt like it was going to be a much different show if we were recorded at halftime uh, after Notre Dame's 35-32 win over Navy. I'm Pete Sampson here at MNT Bank Stadium in Baltimore. Matt Fortuna's at home in Chicago. Uh, Matt, that was... In some ways, a classic Navy game. I feel like I've covered right. this game six times um, in the last 22 years where Notre Dame is blowing the doors off them and then Navy creeps back into the game. It starts to get tight. Then Notre Dame makes a big mistake. Then it's really tight. Um, and you're sort of seeing the season flash before your eyes if you're Marcus Freeman. I mean, it's, I, think it, I don't think it would be uh, overstating matters to say like you would have undone virtually everything you did last week if you had botched this in the second half uh, and Notre Dame came an onside kick away from blowing a game that would be sort of like a permanent record kind of thing, maybe probably worse than Stanford or Marshall, um, considering the fact that they were up 35 to 13 at the half. Um, they ran 20 offensive plays for two yards in the second half. They had no real handle on Navy's hodgepodge offense that went to a third-string quarterback after their starter, who was their backup, got hurt. Um, they were out without J.D. Bertrand, without Brandon Joseph, without Tobias Merriweather. It, um, this, ga- this game had everything, and many of those things you did not want to have. No, it just felt like I'd love to know what like the mood or the speech or, or what have you was in the locker room. Cause it like <laughs> easy for us to say this from afar, but it just seemed like, all right, we did our, we did our part the first 30 minutes. Let's get out of here. Like th- there was nothing inspiring on either side of the ball in the second half. And the weird part about it, you know, they didn't touch the ball in the second half till the four fifty nine mark of the third quarter was when they ran their first offensive play from scrimmage. Look, that happens with Navy. As we all know, they like to shorten the game and, and have a lot of long possessions, Notre Dame did get six possessions in the second half of this game. This wasn't 2016 where I think they got three in the second half and they they literally ran out of time when they kicked a field goal um, to cut a lead, to cut a deficit with seven minutes left or whatever it was back then. I mean, it was it, it was uniquely Notre Dame Navy in the sense that it was weird. It didn't make a whole lot of sense. Navy just like never says die. Like they, they just always um, are around, even, even, you know, when they lose their starting quarterback who's now they're – Started the season as their second string quarterback. Um, you know, they threw 13 passes and they completed six of them. Um, they, they, they made some plays in the second half. Notre Dame obviously didn't, not really on either side of the ball. And you look at that box score, Notre Dame gets shut out 19 nothing in the second half to Navy, 16 nothing in the fourth quarter. And to your point, I mean, it comes down to the point where Navy's trying to onside kick down three points with a minute left. And you're thinking, holy cow, no, I don't think it's, um, 
I don't think it's a stretch to, to say like, yeah, this would literally undo everything. This would be worse than the first two losses because you're talking about it in the context of what just happened last week and what we've already seen happen on the bad side of things with Notre Dame so far this season. So, uh, you know, it it is a one-off because it is Navy and you don't play a team like this probably ever again. And nothing you did, good or bad, really translates to next week's game. Um, so, so you kind of just, you know, burn the boats, so to speak, and, and forget about it. But um, it was certainly uh, certainly more eventful and stress-inducing for Notre Dame and its fan base than it ever should have gotten to. Especially with, look, offensively in the first half, I mean, they were dealing. I mean, that that was, you know, Braden Lindsay making arguably the catch of the year. Um, you know, we, we kind of forgot about him. We kind of forgot about a lot of guys, you know, in, the, in that passing game. Deion Coley, two more catches. Um they, they, you know, Drew Pine completes 17 to 21 passes. And then the second half, it was just like, what happened? Um, they, they just didn't seem to have an answer on either side of the ball. You know, I, I would quibble a little bit with the like, oh, it's a one-off, you throw it all away because cover zero is not something unique to Navy. Um, and Navy played a lot of that in the, sec- in the second half against Notre Dame. Notre Dame did not have a plan or an answer for it that they could execute. Uh, I'm sure... I'm recording this in the coach's box. Next to me is the phone that Tommy Reese talked to Drew Pine on all afternoon. It, I can. It is still talks, in one. It's still in one calm, piece. Very um, calmly. Um, yeah, it's sure. still in one piece. I can. I can uh, attest. But like, that's a pretty basic concept to deal with, and one they actually dealt with in the first half. I mean, the pass to estimate for the touchdown was against Cover Zero. Um, so it's not like they had nothing to counter it, but. In the second half, it was just like Navy dictated with its defense, which you never, ever see in this game. Um, I don't think that needs to be a massive cause for alarm. It feels like something you can get corrected in about three periods of one practice next week. But it was just bizarre to me that Notre Dame let Navy dictate terms with its defense. In the fourth quarter, Notre Dame's three-headed monsters of running backs Four carries, three yards. I mean, if there, if Notre Dame has proven anything that we think that they've proven over the last month and a half, it's that when you get into the second half of games, they can churn you up and spit you out with their run game. They could not move Navy off the ball. I think that, um, you know, the, I think Drew Pine took four sacks in the fourth quarter alone. Um, I wonder, it will be interesting to go back and watch all four of those and sort of break down what happened. Um, I'm sure that many of them were the quarterback not recognizing where the pressures were coming from, essentially counting the men that were coming and then counting how many guys Notre Dame had to block it. If if Navy sends three to his left and Notre Dame only has Joe Alt and Chris Tyree over there to block, that's on the quarterback to get rid of the football. Um, I don't, you know, it's like, but at the same time, Notre Dame's offensive line. I just can't believe that they had that kind of rushing performance in the second half, regardless if Navy put 13 guys in the box. Um, this line was playing outstanding football and just did not have it at all in the second half today. It's, you know, Marcus Freeman post game talked a little bit about the cover zero stuff. That stuff you got to get worked out. Um, he also talked about, you know, I think we've covered Navy games where Notre Dame has really struggled and you've seen head coaches and players try to get up there and convince themselves that this was a great win. That is something they should celebrate. That's something to feel good about. 
Uh, Marcus Freeman really didn't play that way post game. It was, yeah, you win a game and I know you're supposed to feel good about it, but good God. Um, you know, that was this, that second half was just like his words are yours. <laughs> no, those good God was my words, but it was okay. just my interpretation of his facial expression. Um, right. it, he got it that this was a near catastrophe, um, that Notre Dame avoided, um, you know, I, we should probably get into the defense a little bit. You know, J.D. Bertrand, Freeman said post game is kind of a groin area injury. Um, I was told he took like a pretty big shot um, sort of in that area last week. Didn't practice a lot this week. Um, and then as Notre Dame was sort of installing its defensive game plan, they thought they were going to go with Prince Colley at middle linebacker and Bertrand's place. They thought they wanted to initially have Jack Kaiser play safety. Um, but they had injuries, couldn't do that. Kali struggled early in the week. That's when they went to Junior Tui Halamaka as the starter. And then Kali was the backup for the middle linebacker's position. Um, you know, statistically, Kali, I think, did some good things, but was also on the field for many of Navy's huge gains. Kali finished with seven tackles, Kaiser with eight, Leofau with eight, Xavier Watson, his first star, also with eight. I thought he played really well, but. Um, to throw out multiple freshmen at once against Navy, particularly at linebacker. We also saw Jalen Seed in the first quarter. That that's a big rolling of the dice. I'm not sure Notre Dame had a whole lot of other options. Um, you know, and Snead actually was subbing in and out for Jaden Mickey at points, who was a corner. So interesting approach defensively. I thought formationally it made sense execution wise. I would just say I thought Notre Dame really struggled. Yeah, I mean, I you know, as more and more comes out in the morning before this game, like you know, Brandon Joseph was was questionable coming in. Another miss, yeah. I I, I, I didn't think he played. Frankly, I mean, we, we've seen this at Notre Dame in particular where we have really talented seniors who are kind of on the fence. It's like, yeah, like we're not going to play them against Navy. Um, you, you hear the late scratch about JD Bertrand. You add that to all the other depth issues that, that have been going on there. And you at least brace yourself for um, a rougher afternoon than you expected because it's just not, you know, it's it's like a root canal when you play this offense. It's just not fun. Like Navy's going to get theirs. They're going to wear down on you. Even independent of like the first half, I, like I almost think like if you just had Navy's offensive game plan and stats in a nutshell, you know, 32 points is a lot, but, but they got – I'm not as down on the defense for their performance today as I am for the offense in light that's, of what we saw over the first. That's where minutes. like the, I mean, the one-off stuff I think really applies right. defensively. I mean, it's not, and it's not just like, like, it's like one-off plus one-off personnel issues, you know, well, like I mean, schematically and the guys you'd have out there is not nothing, nothing about it was ideal. I mean, they're dealing in the first half. They're, they're making big plays for the past game. Drew Pines numbers are off the charts. You're, you're tweeting. We may finally see Steve Angeli today, and I think we're all expecting that. But you know, at that point in the game, because expect that to happen later in the game. At that point in the game, because Notre Dame's doing whatever it wants offensively. They block another punt. Like we we got to the point where like that's a footnote, but like it shouldn't be a footnote. <laughs> Those are really hard to do, and they've got seven of them because they've been punt block percentage. It's a new stat. It's yeah. Who who knew? Um, but it just. It, what two total yards, right? In the second half, I think you said. I mean, yeah, they, they finished for the game. And again, like to your earlier point, what we thought we knew, like last week was such a 
program like defining way not just that they beat clemson but the way they physically manhandled all these first round picks and the way the offensive line got to the second level and just completely asserted their authority it was like yep that's the Notre Dame football team we expected from the outset that's what they're going to be under marcus freeman it's all coming together now you know why even bother to pass yada 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 and and, and i mean you play navy who's um god bless them not exactly clemson in terms of you know uh measurables uh, and you rush for 66 yards on 34 carries after going for what 260 or whatever last week. Um, that that one is just yeah, that that just like that's not like hey, the defense played the option, it doesn't matter when they play BC next week, but like that's like what the hell just happened? I don't like that, I, I can't make sense of that. And so, that one's a bit of a head scratcher if you're Notre Dame, it, it, it's one that. You know, just when you think they're out, they pull you back in or whatever the opposite of that saying would be because (laughs) it it, it didn't look too good for them there. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Looking for the best place to buy tickets for any of your favorite teams or sporting events? We've got the spot. Our partner, StubHub, has been the leading ticket marketplace in the world for over 20 years, providing a 100% guarantee with every order. From a worldwide selection of live events, the widest choice of tickets and industry-leading partnerships, StubHub has what you need to purchase with confidence. StubHub, an official partner of The Athletic. That's one of the things that Clemson didn't answer and couldn't answer is would Marcus Freeman and the staff be able to get Notre Dame in the right frame of mind for a lesser opponent. Do you look at Notre Dame this year when they play a ranked team or a top opponent, they're dialed in, they play their best. When they play Marshall, Stanford, UNLV, Navy, Cal, they're pretty bad. Um, and I think that's, you know, next week against Boston College, you need to look out. It, USC will take care of itself. Um, but it, I think you have to, if you're Marcus Freeman, look at it this and not say, oh, first half, second half, or not, yeah, it's just Navy, or hey, we we're missing some guys. Like, why has Notre Dame consistently played down to its competition, even if the ebb and flows of the game have been different? Um, why has it played down to its competition? basically all five times had a chance to play down. I mean, so I was on live online yesterday, the the Friday TV show I do gambling related. Michael Kim, the host was like, Oh, I'm going to, for one of our picks, I'm going to, I think the line was only 14 and a half. It got to 17. He goes, I'm doing Navy. What do you think? I you know, I don't, I don't feel strongly either way about it going in. It's one Notre Dame should win by a lot, but that's a big point spread. And he goes, well, their Notre Dame has been favored by 10 or more points four times this year and they're own four against the spread. So I'm going Navy. I thought, okay. I was like, I, I will counter all four of those games were, were at home and they've yeah, two, two and two straight up, right? Like yeah, two and two straight up. The hail Mary miss. Yeah. Uh, now they, they, 
been better on the road or at least sharper on the road than they have been at home. So I, I gave them that as like kind of a, you know, don't just assume they're going to not play well. And again, in the first half, it looked really good. And in the first half, I came back to something you wrote and kind of wrote twice this week. You know, you had a story, I think, on Thursday about um, the late touchdown pass to Michael Mayer last week against Clemson and how kind of mm-hmm. out of the blue it was and how it kind of even, in, you know, you, you put the video in there where even Drew Pines, like, get in the play and he's like, wait, what? We're doing this? And it obviously worked. It obviously got the crowd fired up. Um, it, it probably did a lot for that offense's confidence. But you had a, you had a note in your mailbag about – you know, the game plan for Stanford based on what we had just seen from Drew Pine and the offense at BYU, against BYU um, at North Carolina um, the weeks before. I almost like was thinking about that during this game, especially in the first half, because last week, obviously, they, they did not need to throw the football because physically they just could run the ball so well. And they passed it so well in the first half that it was all right. It was like, all right, yeah, like, you know, we, we can – we can try some new things here. We, we we can get more people involved. We can establish more confidence for some people. We don't just need to run the ball down people's throats and get out of here because we're going to need to do more than that to beat USC or whomever later this year. But again, I, I, I don't know what happened at halftime. I don't know if they just thought like, all right, we're done here. But it, 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 it was, it would be oversimplifying matters to say it's a tale of two halves, but you look at the box score of the second half and like, I hope it was they just took their foot off the gas. You know what I mean? Like, if it wasn't that, then you've got real issues because you I think can't it's more like sleep at the wheel. Like, I, no, foot, I off know. The, foot off the gas. Like, foot off the gas implies like you were still coasting. Like, <laughs> it was just a hard stop in the second half. So I don't, I don't know what to make because in the first half, and I asked Drew Pine about this after the game. Like, he completed three third down conversions with the, via the pass of ten yards or more. Durham had two of those all season before today. He was throwing into drop eight. Deion Colsey with a nice catch. Like the touchdown to Jaden Thomas was like a beautiful throw. Um, so like he made some progress. Like he improved. Um, he showed. I get it. Navy's pass defense is really bad, but like he took advantage of that, which is like something you know functional quarterbacks do. Good quarterbacks do, and like he was definitely that. So it's. There, there was some stuff that they did that I thought was was impressive um, and, and different, which I did not think that they were going to do. I thought coming into the game, Navy would be hell-bent on stopping the run, but Notre Dame would still be able to run it. Right. Navy was hell-bent on stopping the run and stopped the run. That I, and, that Michael, I, and Michael Mayer, by the way. Yeah, I feel, did feel not better about that. our country when these guys yeah. Can- Zero in on the one of the best players and, and take them out of the game mostly, at least more than anyone else has. I just did not see that coming at all. Um, that Notre Dame would be just completely shut down in the run game. So it's um it's kind of got hard to get your head around that. But um, you know, if you're if you're Tommy Reese, I think that you suddenly it's like things are very uneasy. And like maybe even going back to you know, when I wrote that story about the Play action touchdown pat it was kind of like yeah feel good story like you know everyone everyone's having success here <laughs> opposed to like wow maybe you really needed that confidence boost for drew pine there maybe you really needed to put him in the right frame of mind leaving that game where he's more than just a guy handing the ball off to estimate Diggs and tyree so it's um this whole game was weird there's just i don't think it changes a whole lot about how i feel about the rest of the season i think it's just going to sort of be 
hanging out for dear life next week and then at USC. Although, again, it's like if Notre Dame plays up in terms of the competition, they should go out to USC and believe they can win. Yeah, I mean, how, well, how was the environment there? I'm curious. Like noon, it NFL was, venue, that can go cut either it way. It was there. fine. I think the att- announced attendance was like kind of 61, 62,000. There were a lot of empty seats in the upper deck. Um, I've seen a lot worse for Notre Dame Navy games, um, particularly when they're in Landover at FedEx Field or whatever that's called now. Um, I've seen better, but um, you know, it was I mean it was fairly loud. I mean, Navy does Navy does a good job of kind of like pump up stuff. I mean, they sort of cornered the market on like the Top Gun soundtrack, so everyone loves that. Um yes, yeah, they should. <laughs> yeah, no, it was a good it it was, but it was tense at the end. And then you had the officials. I don't know what the hell they were yeah, doing. Um it's even harder to mount up is harder to determine yeah, on TV or uh, that, harder that, to determine there. I mean, the, the head ref was just having a great old time, um, yucking it up. So it's it was it was a strange environment. It, like the tension at the end of the game, and I've seen a game like that here where I think Notre Dame won, it was like the Charlie Weiss era, but and Navy executed two perfect onside kicks in a row. Um, I think it was 2009. That's maybe it was 2008, but like the tension in the game felt very familiar. I feel like I've covered that level of angsty stress five or six times. Um, I, but I, I'm not sure if I've covered one where I thought Notre Dame was as free and clear as they, they looked today at halftime and then have Navy come all the way back, especially when you're on your third string quarterback and shouldn't be able to throw the ball. But lo and behold, um, they had receivers running go routes and they he just lobbed them over them. They got the goat there, too. That was nice to see on, on TV, at least. Um, yeah, I, I just wonder with something like the run game, which is so requires such a physical commitment and, and mental commitment from really all of the people on the field there. Do we oversimplify it by saying, all right, they can run the ball at well. They're just going to do this when they're in a pinch because they couldn't do it today. A week after it looked like no one would be able to stop them. And I, I don't know if that's a game plan thing. I don't know if that's a preparation thing. I, I don't know. I don't have an answer, but it was definitely and even more alarming. The more you dig it, the further you dig into the box score here and try to figure out what exactly happened. Um, Cause that was just, I mean, it's got, I mean, gotta be the most underwhelming half of football they played all year. Right. I mean, I, I can't think of a time they're outscored by more than 19 points. And, uh, I mean, less than two yards. The, <laughs> I mean, the, the first half against Stanford was pretty bad. Um, but just like to have like just such a record scratch of a second half, um, that was that's why this one was weirder is because like they actually were having success. Um, they it looked like they had figured out how Navy was going to play and we're going to be able to counter it. And then they just sort of stopped doing it. Um, I don't. And it's not like. Reese or Freeman were reluctant to try to put the ball up in the second half. They tried to do that. They just Pine couldn't protect himself or the line couldn't protect him. I'm not really sure like what's what there, but um, it was just a very bizarre second half. I feel like Notre Dame was having like an out of body experience for pretty much the entire third and fourth quarter. Um, And while like, let's, let's be clear, it was going to take a lot for Navy to actually win the game. You think back to the first half, they had that sort of slot back throwback pass that gets picked off by Clarence Lewis. Inexplicable play call. And then they try an outside kick to try to catch Notre Dame. Prince Colley recovers it. It doesn't work there. Like, I'm not saying Navy would have won 
if either of those two things didn't happen, but especially the pick on the trick play deep in your own territory, man, that is, if that doesn't happen, I mean, that almost felt like a 14 point play. Notre Dame scores, boom, a play later, come back. I think it was a three and out. Marcus Freeman uses timeouts, punt, kick. They score again. Um, certainly would have changed the vibe of the second half, and the vibe of the second half was already like unbelievably tense. It, 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 it I mean, I, it's one of those games where you know it's such a no-show performance in the second half that it's, it's almost hard for me to say like, well, if, if Navy did this in the first half, imagine what it would have been like. Like I just like Notre Dame doesn't go into the half as comfortable as they are. They come in, come out more locked in in the second half, and therefore don't play Could as be. poor as they did. I, I, at least that's my take or read on the situation. Um, but, Marcus you know, Freeman it, talked about how it shows they can win close games, which I he I think as soon as he said it, he's like, I'm going to move on to something else here. Yeah, that's, yeah, not, that's, that's not a talking point you want to put out into uh, the Twitter sphere. Yeah, I don't think that that tracks with this one. Um, the uh, the vibes I got coming out of that building really all week were like. They really thought they turned a corner last week, and as they did, I mean, yeah, like rightfully it's program, so. It's a program defining win, but like uh, you know, now in light of what we just saw, is it did they get ahead of themselves? Is this like a typical first year coach? You know, not I want to say getting ahead of himself because like, but like to your point, like they play up to their competition, they play down to the competition. That's one of those things as a head coach that like falls on you, yes. and you don't know how to manage that until you're in it and you know say what you want about him. The guy, he's, he's he's in it and still doesn't know how to manage it right well the guy succeeded became like the absolute master at it for all his yeah. faults and, and as as he times. did today right like yeah what that I mean i realized it was 13 10 it wasn't like some epic well, performance he, he but like the best player in college football on his team it was, year, it was the <laughs> trappiest of trappy games for lsu and they were able to sort of figure yeah. it out um that's a backup quarterback but harold per- harold perkins you got to watch those highlights later i mean that that was chase young ask i mean he's just unfreaking believable uh but, but by the way um if we're talking about former Dame coaches a shout out a huge shamrock bump to uh, our favorite bald guest clark lee getting his first sec win uh with an upset at a ranked kentucky team with a backup quarterback uh, Vanderbilt gets their snaps a 26 game SEC losing streak, their first conference win since I think it was October 19th, 2019. And uh, I believe the broadcast had said they were dealing with a flu bug this week as well. And Clark Lee was, I, I watched his post game interview on the sideline. He was, uh, he did not sound well, um, sounded very raspy, sounded like he was, uh, dealing with, with some illness as well. He turned, I believe, 41 yesterday. And then he apologized and said, Sorry, I'm getting so emotional here, but this kid just worked so hard. And then he broke, he, Basically, uh, choked up. Which back to back weeks we have an SEC head coach used working their name choking up on uh, national television with ESPN sideline reporters. Did it was Miami of Ohio play next week? Uh, yeah, no, they they had a rough go of it. Um, that that the Tuesday or Wednesday we'll have to look out for that one. But uh, got to give a shout out and Shamrock Bump to our friend uh, to our friend Clark Lee. That that was an impressive one. Um, good for him. That was a very yeah. very uh, nice one. Definitely, definitely. It was I was sort of half tracking that uh, from down on the <laughs> sideline, and then had to stop paying attention for obvious reasons. Um, You're like, oh wait, wait, this game's not over yet. Yeah. 
As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. If you're Marcus Freeman, like how do you what does practice look like this week? Um and I, I ask that in the sense of like I don't think he's a kind of coach that would is going to make the week somewhat punitive for Notre Dame. Um but man, that's I think you gotta you gotta take a, a hard look at how you're doing what you're doing. Um because even if this this sort of style of play doesn't come back and get you next week against Boston College, like it's gotta it's gotta be disconcerting, right? That your team could play two halves like that. That your team has played down to the competition pretty much every time out, um, and that if it wasn't for like the wizardry of Brian Mason and the seven block punts, um, I think what six in the last five games. Um, Sounds about right you this season could feel completely different um and it already feels a little bit weird yeah i mean look didn't he i i feel like this was when he was a dc navy week freeman like kind of laid down the law defensively in the lead up to that last week right didn't he yeah he there was all that correctly so this isn't this sort of backstory on last week or last navy last game year, like, yeah. freeman essentially encouraged the scout team to start a fight in practice because he didn't like the energy the defense had and i didn't ask him directly about that um on thursday but i asked him sort of about the the you know how do you where do you see in practice that like guys are locked in and playing up like when you what does a good practice look like to you this week? And he's, he talked about how, you know, there's less good on good because of the style of offense Navy plays. And then he talked about how, you know, we essentially have the defense go against the scout team offense, but the entire team would watch like, so there would be a little bit more like pressure air quotes on him. Um, you know, and it's like defensively, their personnel was so weird and so messed up today. I don't, I don't know what you want to read into it and what you don't, but like, 
if I'm if I'm Freeman, I I you got to take a hard look at like how you're practicing and what your prep is because it just like this has just happened too much this season. It's not it's not a sustainable way to be a college football playoff contender once your talent catches up to the teams that are making it because every year you play Navy, every year you play some version of Marshall, Cal, UNLV. Right. Um, every year you play a team like Boston College. Like it's not. You can't just get up for big games because Notre Dame plays a lot of small games that it should win going away as well. Yeah, I just wonder how you handle that in the context of like they've been hard on them at practice. I mean, you have both heard that for many people, and it hasn't always been all that well received or, or really all that well delivered from the coaching end. I, I just wonder what's the the secret recipe to to, to have a, a consistent barometer of daily preparation and performance that is opponent proof essentially that you know yeah. what you're going to get out of your team because we've seen this team at its best um as recently as last week and, and they can be a really damn good football team they can be most teams and still should have been everyone but one on their schedule so far this year with that um then we've seen you know like we saw the second half today like we saw against marshall like we saw for many for a long stretch against cal and like we saw against stanford um there's just they're lacking some move. They're lacking some pep in their step, and I don't know what the what the answer is to to unlock that and to get them to play at their peak week after week. And look, again, you know, we see enough stuff already this year to to, to know better. And they'd be like, "Well, next week's Boston College. We won't worry about that." But the week after at USC, it's like, "Oh, like BC is yeah, going to come in with let's that." Let's check ourselves on Boston College. Yeah, uh, BC. Like, oh, yeah. It's not like <laughs> of all opponents too, as far as like name and history. Um, they're going to come in with some bad intentions next week, whether Phil Dracovic plays it or not. And they're going to look to, to, to make something out of nothing, which is essentially what the season has been for Boston college. Uh, they're going to try to catch an everyday off guard going into a, a big game, probably a primetime game against USC a week after that. So um, I will be very curious to see how they respond. And, and as we've learned through, what, 10 games this season, right? Or, yeah, 10. Um, we won't get our answer until game day because you just don't know. Right. Like, no matter what they say throughout the week, and I'm not, they're not being, I'm not saying they're being disingenuous. Like, we just don't know what we're going to, like, you get 12 games a year to essentially show the world everything you've been doing behind the scenes the other 353 days a year. And Notre Dame's gotten, you know, some, some, mixed, some mixed answers, some mixed deliveries through 10 games so far this season. No, there's uh there's no doubt. There's no doubt about that out. Do you um I guess maybe you just answer it like I think we both still feel like they will figure out a way to like muck their way through Boston College, right? And go I mean, to I'm USC. Certainly not gonna pick them to lose to Boston College. No. <laughs> but I don't know how much you've watched of USC this year. It does feel like a team that Notre Dame is should be a matchup problem for. Um but after the second half, Chura is like, uh, what does Marcus Freeman say? Question everything, find a better way. Like, they got to question everything and find a better way because that second half, like, you just can't roll forward with that and not, not make some changes. Um, it just, I, I want to, sorry, go ahead. I didn't mean to go. No, it just, I, it's weird because I, I, I just watched Notre Dame nearly blow a 21 point lead, 22 point lead. And I still feel like they will finish nine and three, which is like I cannot reconcile those two things. Um, but that's just Sorry, sort of would, where you, I am with still, this team. You'll beat USC, you mean? 
I I feel like they are a terrible matchup for USC. Wow. I, I'll say this: like USC has been really damn good this year. Um, I think on a resume, UCLA should be ranked higher than them right now. I think UCLA's had a more impressive body of work. Obviously, we'll get you know a definitive answer to who's better next week. Um, and it's a tough stretch for USC. I mean, like, Notre Dame's got Navy, BC, USC, and then nothing. USC's got what should be a top ten UCLA team next week, which is a rivalry game. Notre Dame, which is a rivalry game and a ranked team. And if they get through just UCLA, they're playing either UCLA or Oregon again the following week, potentially with a playoff berth on the line. So um, I don't think like USC has been really, really good. I don't think they've been tested. The defense has its flaws. I don't think it's a deep roster yet. Um, I, I think Lincoln Riley's still in the very, very, very early stages of program building there, which would scare the hell out of Notre Dame and everyone else that's going to face USC. I guess not the Pac-12's problem anymore, but everyone Travis else will face Travis injury. Like, is, Travis Ty's injury sig- hurts, That's significant. But, um, they're, they're, their defense, they're really good at forcing turnovers. Like They're very vulnerable. They lost the one game they lost. They gave up 43 points and a game-winning touchdown on fourth down and a two-point conversion right after that. Um, so they are vulnerable. They're thin. They're a little banged up. They've been really, really good at taking the football away. The offense has been really, really good. And it's been really, really good at not giving away the football. And I, I Caleb Williams, number one, I think, in my Heisman ballot this week for Heisman. I mean, that guy is playing unfreaking believable right now. And I don't know if it's because half his games are at 1030 at night on a Friday or Saturday and people aren't watching it as much. But, like, that dude is for real. And he's only getting better. And he's only a sophomore. And he could also be playing, whether his team's in or out of it, come Notre Dame week. He's also playing for for a very, very big prize uh, down the stretch here. And I think that's worth monitoring as well. Yeah, that's not right. It will be, it'll be nice to sort of have a Notre Dame-USC game where both teams are good. Um or you know, both teams are ranked. Like, we think <laughs> it's been a, it's been a minute, um, but that that should be a great atmosphere out there. Um, you know, and not to skip ahead past senior day here, but like against Boston College. But I do think it should you'll be out there in LA as well. Like that should hopefully be, Mar- to be hopefully like, Mark Lazarus can join us. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. hopefully, uh, yeah, everyone's healthy, uh, and that you know it should be should be a real. Should be a big game. Should like, I realize Notre Dame stakes are not like a thing um, in terms of bowl positioning or any of that. Ten wins. But, that's not nothing for a first chance year to coach. go for ten wins in a bowl game. Um, chance to finish with what nine wins in the final ten games or ten wins in the final eleven games if they get a bowl win too. So it's that's two that's two top something. ten wins in the final month. Right. Yeah. Maybe top five. Maybe top five. I mean, maybe. It's it's pretty wild, um, sort of the scalps that Marcus Freeman could get, but they, making they have the that stand November, up. Yeah, what eighteen games in a row in November now? Longest November winning streak in the country. That's right. Um, so if they can keep that going into next season, I think that you would say it would be a successful debut season for Marcus Freeman. Uh, but I do think there's been enough where you're like. Mm, Let's do a little audit on Notre Dame football in the offseason if you're if you're the head coach and figure out like that's not the kind of ten and three that is going to get you over the hump. It feels like a ten and three where you're like you overachieved. Um 
that's not the kind of 10 and three that Notre Dame should be, be gunning for. So I, I, I'll be interested to sort of like hear from Freeman postseason about sort of auditing what happened and why it happened. If he can get a sense of like, if he can get a sense of why what happened happened, um, because it as it's happening to him, I'm not sure that he has has like the firmest of grips on Notre Dame's performances week to week. Yeah, and we we've heard Jack Swarbrick say this a number of times in the years since he hired him. Like there will be a learning curve. The the risk, like that's a risk because you don't know how steep that learning curve will be and how he comes out of that learning curve. And as we've seen in real time this year, that's not always pleasant. Like a cur- a curve implies like you get to the other side of it though, right? And I feel like it's just like a learning straight line. Like it just is it just the same stuff happens. It just is all dependent on the opponent. For for this season, you mean yeah, right? for this season. Yeah. Yeah, no, I I think that's maybe fair. the curve happens. Um, no, I'll say that off like, season. I don't know. I, I will say like, and I want to like give them credit for trying because I think they shall try. But like, I think there are a lot of teams that would lose games of Marshall and Stanford and completely throw on the towel and let Clemson beat the crap out of them. You know, like I don't. I think there are lesser cohesive rosters um, that would not come out and have the complete performance they had last week. Like I don't. Okay, is that because Marcus Freeman is the best motivator in the world? Is that because these players are the best self motivators in the world? I, I don't know, but I don't, you know, I think there's something to be said. And you wrote this well last week. Um, you know, that would, that was Marcus Freeman's like kind of defining moment today. And that's something he can tangibly build upon. And I, I think the fact that it came after such a uneven stretch, after multiple really, really, really disappointing losses this season, um, I, I wouldn't say it makes it more impressive, but it, it, it you know it's harder to get up for a game with lesser stakes than than it is if you're playing for a playoff berth or something like that. So, um, you know, they they've stuck to the script, so to speak. They, you know, to, to varying degrees, I guess you could say. But it's um, you know, they, for for half today, it looked like they were doing it again. And then I, I don't know if they just thought they got an early flight to catch or what, but they clearly didn't show up for the <laughs> second half and. Here we are talking about some of the same issues we've been talking about all year long. It's yeah, it's just bizarre how how much it felt like they flew so so close to the sun today. Um, and we'll live to tell the tale. Um, after beating Navy thirty five thirty two, I'll I'll wrap up there unless you have any other keen insights on uh, what's going on with Notre Dame football this season, Matt. Now, the the, the man or woman who figures that out will be very very rich very very soon because it's a. Uh, been a very rocky uneven but eventful and entertaining season nonetheless and i'm looking forward to see how it finishes here in the next couple weeks no doubt uh notre dame is they are nothing if not compelling um so notre dame moves to seven and three on the season with a 35 32 win over navy boston college next week usc after that uh we will be here on the shamrock to talk you through all of it uh whether that is analysis or therapy we're good for both so until our next show he's matt i'm pete thanks for being with us on the shamrock